0: Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Rubbish,
1: got a bad back. <laughs>
0: Brighton and lost. Everything. No, so, we
1: drew it. Brighton, Brighton drew in a game we should have won. Of course, you did. A team who have one point all season and we're down to ten men. My back's bad, and I had to have a COVID test over the weekend, but thankfully we're all negative. So, so
0: you're all, so all swabbed up, basically. Apart from that, I'm absolutely topping my game. <laughs> well, I'm sure it cheered you up to see Huddersfield Town win at the weekend, though, no? Yeah, <laughs> they they.
1: I, I, do you know, I was really... I, I take a f- far more joy from Town winning this game than they have in other games where they've dominated because what was interesting to me about this game, and we'll get into the specifics, but this is the exact game that Huddersfield Town don't win. Mm. You know, they, they basically... They were outperformed in like every statistical area, really. But it was just lovely to see a game where all the big moments went for them. And uh, it was, I think, at, at most points in the last two and a half years, they lose this game two, three, four nil. And for them to actually come out of it with the three points and a two nil win, I thought was absolutely great. To be honest,
0: it's something that we we looked at when we were on WhatsApp because because story shared. If you go on Dan Daniel Story's Twitter feed, he shared for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing, a big document of everywhere he gets his stats from basically. And there was one that, that I wasn't aware of which is really handy, which gives you the the league table with the results against the each of the teams and it's really easy you can just look at it Mm. and go oh and and when we were looking at it on sort of Thursday Friday it was like oh they've beaten all the teams below them (laughs) except for one and they've lost to all the teams above them apart from from Swansea or got a draw so (laughs) to to then go and, and play the team that were up in third and let's be honest, those of you who watched the club's preview show on YouTube will know even the, the, the guy who was covering Watford came into that going, They're not great this season, Watford. They've been grinding out results. They've they've been They've been
1: dreadful to watch. Yeah. They've been absolutely awful. They've I I've had to do a couple of Watford games this year and I'm choosing my words properly there. I have had to do them. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've not It's like they decided this season that they had to go up at all costs and all costs meant sacrificing any sort of fun, creativity, it's just all about trying not to lose. And this this result for Watford has actually been coming for a while. Their position has been a little bit false because there's been a lot of games like the Birmingham game and a couple of others that really they could have had no complaints if they would have come out of it with a 2-0 with a defeat like they did on Saturday. But I think we're in danger of not giving Town enough yes. credit really in that I think they... The big moments went for them, and I think the difference was in this game is they went 1-0 up, Steve, when... Mm. Town have now got the confidence of a couple of home victories where they've they've been two nil up at half time and not cruising, but the job has been sort of seventy five percent done. And you just felt when they went one nil up that there was a bit of confidence running through the side that, you know, okay, Watford, let's see what you've got. You know, you've you've not been great this season, you've not been great creatively, you've not been bombing on, you've not been blowing teams away. So, you know, what have you got? And then they get they get a farcical second. Um, and that's it, you know, Town are then quite comfortable to say, all right, well, do you know what, we're going to sit back a bit, we're going to let you have possession, let's see if you can break us down, and they couldn't. Yeah, I,
0: and I think that's bang Bangor, I, I messaged you when it was 1-0 saying, Town are either going to get another, or they're going to end up losing 2-1 here, um, yeah. because Watford had, this was a rare game in that Town actually had, came out of it with having had less possession than the opposition, I think that's one of the only times we've seen that this season. Uh, I I haven't gone back and looked if it's the only time, but I would imagine it's there's only been. I I think it I think it is. Yeah,
1: I think it is. You know, and and lot less passes, lot less touches. You know, Watford has 657 touches to to Town's 532, which is is a huge difference, really. Um, but it's it's the scoreboard that counts and yes. this is the thing that so many times Town would have lost this game. So many times they would have lost it and to come out sort of mentally after the week they've had as well with the Bournemouth game which I think was a shock to the system for everybody involved including the management team and I'll leave it at that. And then a very, very difficult game at Coventry that really they had to win and they didn't and they were up against a team who just Basically, just sat back and were tight and controlled, and Town couldn't break them down. It was important, you know. I texted you in the week and said it was important that they got something from this game, even if it was just a performance. I don't think they necessarily got the performance they would have wanted, but it doesn't matter because they got the three points, and that's a far bigger, far bigger mental boost going into Christmas, isn't it?
0: Yeah, big time. I, I thought that it was it was nice to see Town actually force the kind of error out of the opposition that that has often been the other way. Around. This season for the first goal, Isaac and Ben's a really nice bit of pressing on on Ben Foster, and he, he for a goalkeeper of his experience, uh, he'll be really disappointed with uh, with the way he panicked there.
1: I yeah, <laughs> I know I was I was. I had to do the game from home on Saturday, so I, I had the pleasure of Matt Glennon and Oggy's commentary, um, which I thought was brilliant. And they were uh, Matt Glennon was sort of very, very effusive on, on Benzers pressing for that goal. And while I think he did really well to chase the ball down, but Ben Foster just kicked it against his shins. Yeah. It was extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 like when I say closed him down, there were still like sort of two feet behind him. It's not like... And Bones are absolutely charged into him at a million miles an hour and he literally just passed it into his shins. I thought it was a I thought it was an extraordinary error, to be honest with you. That's a better finish than I think a lot of people gave it credit for. Yeah. That's that's not a tap in. That's not a tap in from Campbell. He he does well there. He does well there and it's it was a great start, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, and really nice to see Fraser Campbell get on the score sheet after I, I wrote a piece on Saturday morning saying well, Friday night went out Saturday morning saying that they need him to do his best Steve Mounier impression. And what I mean by that is this time last year when Carl and Grant was still in the side but he was out of form he was in his driest spell at, at town his, his whole spell at, his whole 18 months at town that was his sort of his big dry spell was was December into January last year uh, he only scored one goal in 10 and that was exactly when Steve Mounier stepped up and suddenly scored 9 in 14 uh, which I think was his best spell uh, in his town career and my point was and I'm not expecting Campbell to get 9 in 14 don't get me wrong but with Josh Caroma out in Injured, your top scorer, your most clinical finisher. And I've advocated on this podcast for as big a fan as a Campbell, a a, a big, as big a fan of Campbell as I am. There's a lot of two letter words in there, (laughs) very difficult to say. Um, I was saying well, I think with Coroma injured, you need to get Danny Ward in the side because you need that that you need to emphasize your clinical finisher and get your goals through them instead. And now obviously Danny Ward's injured instead. So uh, as well I should say. So going into January now, they need to get the goals from somewhere and and you look at, I mean Isaac and Benzer is has been a fantastic player this season, but his his goals have, have come from, from free kicks. Um he's he's not a player who's scored too many from open play for town yet. So you look at that team and you think, well, where are the regular goals gonna come from? And I think the most sensible answer is well you need Fraser Campbell to be a bit less self a bit more selfish you need him to be go back to being the poacher that he was earlier in his career mm-hmm. playing on the shoulder and I, I know that he's he's maybe not got the pace that he had when he was 10 years younger but he has been such an unselfish player for so long for town last season he was very much the first defender um, and the, the stat I took out was that town conceded fewer goals when Campbell was on the pitch than than any other player and this season he's been sort of the unselfish player in attack making runs making dummy runs making space for others no player no town have scored more goals with Campbell on the pitch than than any other player uh this season as well so as in in a minutes per goal uh perspective as well that that's taken into account that he's that he's played a lot of the games and i think you need him now to to step up his scoring rate and to be fair to him He's already got one more goal than he had in the whole of last season and we're not even at Christmas yet.
1: Yeah, and I think his his he just looks a lot sharper, doesn't he? He looks mm. he looks a lot more on his toes and he, he just I mean, in in a, the simple truth of it is he just tends to play facing goal an awful lot more than he has um, you know, last season. And that that sort of goal I remember there was a goal that Town scored under Cowley where Campbell pressed and I think it was ended up laying it off to Grant possibly for a tap in last season I can't remember who it was against anyway but somebody will know and no doubt tell me Um, and I thought it was sort of reminiscent of that but I I think that although they hadn't shown an awful lot I think they were worth that lead to be honest with you because they'd done a bit of a containing job on on Watford and then they get the break with a second goal which was uh, extraordinary (laughs) to be
0: honest (laughs) Crap night football goal as. Uh, one of our friends described it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Kapoor is a really good player. <laughs> really, <laughs> had, really good player.
0: He had an awful and, game. He, he did that thing where after he scored the own goal, he was so desperate to, to make up for it. He was just taking shots from like uh, 35 yards. <laughs> and he ended up getting taken.
1: Yeah, I I felt like I must admit I and again I'm not taking any credit off Town here. I thought they were really really good and we'll we'll we will talk about that. But I I don't know I wasn't surprised to see the Watford manager get sacked because it felt like the sort of performance that does get a manager sacked. And it felt like there was one or two players who were... were I wouldn't say they were playing to get him sacked or anything like that, but you could just see that they just weren't... <laughs> you Town were up for it in a way that Watford just couldn't seem to be... to get themselves up to. And yeah, I, the Town took full advantage of the situation. And the second half, I actually thought was a really good defensive display. Mm-hmm. You know, really disciplined there was a one or two really good blocks couple of sort of put your body on the line type challenges and it was good to see Town do that. It was good to see Town. I wouldn't say they were clinging on at any point. I think they looked pretty comfortable
0: throughout, didn't they? Relatively, yeah. I mean that they they needed a a number of really really good saves and and stops from Ryan Schofield, who was my man of the match. He was he was he was one of several players on an eight until late on, and then he made that that save. I think it was from Andre Gray late on, which he he didn't really have much mm-hmm. right to make. And and it wasn't the first save that he'd made where it was like, if he hadn't saved that, no one would be saying, oh, that's an error or, or blaming him at all. And those are the kinds of saves that, that, that you think, okay, he's had an, an absolute blinder there. But again, it's, it's not like, it, I think it would be different if we were sitting here and Watford had, a, hit the bar three times and, you know, put a sitter over the bar like British Samba did and, and all of these things. But when it's the goalkeeper has had a blinder and the defence has done a good job and, and put in those blocks and shown that, that sort of resilience and that, that grit, it's it's hard to criticise them for that. Like, I think saying, I think sometimes saying, well, they would have, yeah, but they would have conceded if the goalkeeper didn't have a blinder. It's like, it's a bit like saying, yeah, but they they wouldn't have won that game if the striker hadn't scored a hat-trick. It's, uh, yeah,
1: it's, I, I that's, think... that's his literal job, isn't it? Yeah. To stop the ball going in the, in the net. So, he you, you turn around and say, oh, yeah, but, you know, if he hadn't played as well, well, yeah, that is did. what he's... Yeah, that's it's... what he's there to do. I mean, like... I hate to talk about them but I watched the Man United Leeds game yesterday and I thought the Leeds keeper didn't have a great game at all you know that's that's the difference Leeds United conceded 6 Huddersfield Town conceded none but I also thought it's it's worth pointing out that I th- I think the save from grey was good but I think it was I'm not sure I agree I'd have been disappointed if he hadn't because he had plenty of time to get out there and close him down and make himself big I thought he did really well but I think it's the Tim Howard at the World Cup thing I don't think any of the saves he made were particularly extraordinary or outstanding but it's just the sheer consistency it's the you know you will not pass and on another day with another keeper you, you may not have got that you know something may have slipped or wriggled through, you just have no idea. And I think the thing about Schofield is I still think there's lots of obvious areas of his game that he needs to work on but it's that that little bit of a tightrope with a young goalkeeper because there are those areas of his game such as command of his box and a bit of distribution and a little bit of organisation etc only come from playing (laughs) so if you when you have a really good promising young goalkeeper you need to play them and you need to accept that you're going to get a game like Saturday where you Come across, he comes off, and you think, well, you know, fairly faultless in in front of goal. But at some point, he's also going to have the opposite game where you know the things are going to go wrong a little bit, and he's probably going to end up costing a goal. But that's all part of the process with a young goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and. I, I, it's almost now we knew that coming into this season that the, the the likelihood was that at a certain point Ben Hamer would would be phased out of the team and Ryan Schofield would come in and I think Ben Hamer's done really well we, we've we talked him up a lot on this podcast and I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations I don't think there's been too, I, off the top of my head I can't think of, of any major blunders on, on his part Um, and and certainly he's had games where he's he's had that similar sort of you shall not pass um, performance but At the same time, I do think, I do wonder if there's ever going to be a better time for Ryan Schofield to come into the team than right now because he's had that that sort of half a dozen performances or so for Huddersfield Town across the two seasons and with a young keeper or with any young player, you're looking to see if they fit in at that level and if they're ready for more starts and I think the fact that he's not made those those major blunders yet and, and that he's now supplemented that with this brilliant performance, you have to say, well, I think he's ready and if he's ready and he's going to be the long-term number one and Towner very comfortably in mid-table at this point why not give him a go what what do you think
1: yeah I couldn't agree more really and I think that one of the things you have to understand is there's a reason keepers play until they're you know touching 40 and it's not just because they don't do the the amount of physical work that others do it's it's because there's a lot of aspects of that goalkeeping role that really they only sort of come into their own when they've they've had 3 years in a side 4 years in a side and you're exactly right when you look at the season that town of prime to have which is to finish relatively safe in mid table you know we've no idea if they're going to finish on the higher side of mid table or the lower side of mid table but it's it's looking very very much like it's a mid-table season. That's the time to bring the goalkeeper in. It's not that there's nothing on it or anything like that. You know, town want to win every game available, but if you can if you can sort of, you know, you're going to be relatively safe throughout the season, then I think the the best way to do it is is just give him games, just let him play and if he makes a mistake, let him make a mistake because he will learn from that.
0: Yeah. I can hear Ben Hamer is knocking on your door there, Dave.
1: Yeah, apologies <laughs> the the neighbor next door is doing his kitchen and it's it does sound like it's coming through the wall a little bit <laughs>
0: yeah we'll push through because otherwise we're going to be sitting here all day waiting for the pauses um but yeah, I agree. And and the other one is, is Romani Edmonds Green, of course, he's playing in front of him, who just had another perfectly solid game. Um I think it's often a good sign when you're watching a game and have giving out your player ratings and, and you you've not really noticed your centre half one way or the other. It shows yeah. that, that it tends to mean that they've they've just done their job efficiently and well.
1: That's I mean what I've said all along is he he just when you've got a when you've got a defender and a young defender who just understands defending naturally. So he doesn't have to work massively hard on positioning and and body shape etc you're going to get these performances where they're just completely i mean it's neat and tidy is the is the phrase isn't it just very very neat and tidy you know no massive high points no massive low points just a game where you just set about your job and for all Watford's difficulties this season and how far they found it to attack, you know, Saar is is an excellent player who Liverpool were desperate to sign before the start of the season. Gray is a forward with with Premier League experience and who I have personally seen be absolutely brilliant. I watched him play uh, Burnley. I think I can't remember if it was last season or the season before, and absolutely tear them apart. It, talented front line, and uh, I, you know, I thought he did again. It, it's difficult because I am such a massive fan, and you try to sort of stay unbiased. <laughs> But I thought he was just really, really good again. But I think it's also worth mentioning Saru, who I think had a far better game than he has had recently. Far more balanced game um he's the defender who it appears he's either going to be a nine out of ten or a three out of ten with very little in between and i thought he was really really good on saturday and long may that continue we he just needs to find that consistency
0: yeah i it was one of the things that i most enjoyed against coventry which is a game that we're not going to go through uh i don't think just because it was it was well it was a nil nil there wasn't a huge amount to say and and also it was nearly a week ago now so it's old news at this point but the, there was a moment early on against Coventry, just about ten minutes in, where he, he was past the ball, and there was an attacker who was not even that close to him, but he was closing him down, and he just thought, "No, I'm not. I'm not having this." And he just put it out for a throw, and it was like, "Good on you, Nabby. Like I, I think that that after the Bournemouth game where he had such a nightmare, it was good to see that he wasn't trying to be sort of over elaborate. No, no matter what, that he was willing to to go. Do you know what? This is. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna punt this out because you do need to do that sometimes and you know this isn't a I'm, I'm cautious about trying not to sound all proper football man and saying you should never pass it at the back because you know I think there's there's a lot of merit to that approach but there are definitely times when uh, when you just need to, to to punt it out so yeah I mean not that they were doing that against Watford but they were I thought that that they they stood up as, as we've said to, to what Watford threw at them really well. And they, to be fair to them, they did have plenty of shots in the second half, despite the fact they were sort of on the back foot and the pressure was all one way. They were looking to get the counter. They were looking to, to push and get the third goal, which is, I know, a big criticism you've had, Dave, is, is, is that inability to kill off games.
1: Yeah, I, I think... It was a different game on Saturday because I think Watford were, they 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 were spent. You know they were two 0 down and you could see that mentally they were they were done a little bit. I think. But I was I I've been frustrated. You know the Middlesbrough, the Sheffield Wednesday game, etc. When they've been they've not been able to put the full ninety minutes together. They've they've been really really good for spells. Um, and they've just not managed to sort of really hammer home that that authority because I think mentally if they could do that in one game, I think it would help the creativity if you can go out there and really hammer someone then in the next few games you're going to find that your writings and and pritchards etc are going to be willing to take a few more risks and to play a few more lower percentage balls and that's what town desperately need, desperately need the, the the freedom really to take those risks and if it doesn't work just to try it again when the opportunity arises instead of feeling like every single thing has to count, every single thing is vital. So it would be nice to see town turn somebody over um, at this point but I th- I think this victory does a lot for them in another mental sense because it. Should Shows them that there is two ways to win a game, and they they did it the other way.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think when you look at the the recent results, it's been four clean sheets in five and the, the Bournemouth game now sort of does stand out as the anomaly in that run and I think that the obviously the, the, the team selection there was a big factor it wasn't the whole story as we talked about last week but you know the, they've had three wins and a draw not conceded a goal they've had a couple of really resilient performances because what I would say about the Coventry game is I know that a lot of people found it to be a, a boring draw an absolute sort of garbage game and I, I think you would be one of them Dave um, but to me I, I kind of enjoyed it in a weird way just being and maybe it was being in the ground made a difference but because I thought it was two it was a game with two very hard-working sides that cancelled each other out it wasn't a nil-nil where just like neither side was bothered it was it was a real sort of blood and guts nil nil which is why carlos corbran was so delighted with it and i think that sort of set the table for for the watford game uh, which again is exactly why he was so uh, pleased with that and i think we're seeing that that as i say that that bournemouth game was in this run at least, the anomaly and that Town have actually found a bit of a bit of resilience and a bit of an ability to, to see games out which after earlier in the season where they were losing games after going ahead as regularly as they were is something they, they had to find.
1: Yeah, I've, I think it also comes from familiarity with the, what the manager wants you to do as well. Um, I always, when I'm quite looking forward to Town hands being allowed in the ground just so they can sort of see what Corbyn's like on the touchline and how involved he gets and his, his mannerisms because it just doesn't come across on you know on iFollow um, the sort of personality <laughs> really that we see regularly and he is a personality manager um, he, he's got a, he wants to enact a certain style on his team and it's follow it at all costs um, and I, I think I think he'll be very very pleased to get that win but I think he'll have been feeling the pressure going into it because the Bournemouth game was a massive misstep there's no we can't dress it up Stephen I mean we we went over the game and we said how poor it was but he picked the wrong side and he he picked a side not necessarily to win the game because I don't think anybody can make that argument but he picked a side that he thought might end up losing maybe 2-0 not getting thumped and played off the park to the degree that they did He'll have felt a lot of pressure after that commentary game because you can't sort of make six changes and then not win the following game, really. It's it just brings a whole heap of pressure and uh, winning that game on Saturday was absolutely vital because let's be honest Steve if Town had lost that game we'd be having a very very different podcast at the moment because um, oh, yeah. we, we would have to have said that was a really really poor week the fact they've won that game but also the nature of the win as well Um, as I said doing it a, a slightly different way, um, I think, will will have brought him an immense amount of joy. He even had a little banter with you after the game, didn't
0: he? <laughs> he did. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to do the the cream chinos question for a while, um, because you know it was I think it was Terrier Spirit uh, wrote a, a nice piece about it and, and went through the stats of, of the win ratio with and without the chinos, and obviously the fans have picked up on it on social media. And Harry Toffolo after the game, uh, within a, about twenty minutes of the final whistle tweeted trust the chinos so that gave me my opportunity and yeah he said uh, carlos said he wishes he, he did have the power to to uh, change games just with what he wore but uh but it all comes down to the players but um no he's uh he's very straight with the media generally speaking um i think that a few weeks ago i was trying to find um a picture of him smiling and and one does not exist. Um it's very, very difficult to, to find one. But I believe that from from speaking to people at the club, he is a bit of a as you say, he is a bit of a personality manager. He he the fans the 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 players I should say really respond to him apparently and his his one to one um individual management apparently that the players are are bang into it and to be fair i think i I don't think that is i mean you obviously every every club is always going to sort of try and feed that out to the media that line um regardless who the manager is but i think that you can see it in the players and we talked about it earlier this season as well just how enthusiastic likes of fraser campbell harry toffolo louis o'brien everyone you speak to um at the club is is yeah there's there's stuff
1: the stuff that just doesn't come across on a screen that's that's the problem and he is very straight with the media but there's nothing wrong with that i mean it makes our life a little bit harder (laughs) let's be honest um but and danny cowley was completely the other way in that he would often say too much really um but yeah it's it's when town fans are in the ground and they can see how he how he sort of patrols his technical area and how he gets his little cabala coaches around him pretty much i mean often there's sort of four of them stood there in a line watching the game all with arms folded um, and I, I think that I think I, he'll he'll be very very pleased to get that win but the, the sort of the games keep coming and I know it gets a little bit easier but I, I think what he's desperate for It's just more time on the training ground and he will get that in the new year but with the caveat that obviously the weather's not great, the games are still coming fairly thick and fast, the squad is still a little bit thin so you've got to manage injuries and intensity etc. Yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult situation, but he's doing probably, I think we would have to agree, he's, he's doing the absolute best job he, he could really at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you, we've still seen, we, we've talked about this off mic as well, you're still seeing people on on social media saying oh well there's a lack of ambition if they'd invest if they're 5 points off the playoffs if they'd have invested in the summer we'd be in the playoffs now it's like well yeah but before the season started <laughs> you were all saying that the the squad's crap and they're going to get relegated oh, they're definitely so, going to go down yeah. yeah you can't you can't have it both ways and i think that that we have you know we've we've had criticisms we've had doubts i think you and i were both quite uh vocal about the fact that that it was a massive, massive gamble to 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 get rid of the cowleys and and bring Carlos Corbran in. Um, and you and I were both quite outspoken about the fact that the squad at the start of the season looked weak. You know, it wasn't. We're not having a go at the fans for for saying the squad was didn't look good because, to be honest, you and I both sat here and thought this this really doesn't look good. We we were worried coming into this season, but you know, you look at who we've been talking about over the last sort of few weeks and it's been Ryan Schofield who's come through from the academy it's been Romani Edmund Screen who's come through from, from sort of the new academy setup. up um, it's been Isaac Mbenza who looks like a, a new man it's been Josh Garoma who again now now that he sort of had hit that, that run of form and, and was the top scorer it's like well obviously he's going to play every week but you, you I think it's easy to forget that at the start of the season no one was like oh this is going to be Josh Garoma's year you know he'd, he'd had a fairly yeah. unimproved a fairly unimpressive loan at Rotherham United in the second half of last season um, mm. so they have the, he, he has done what what the club hoped and said he would do which is get more out of the players that, that were already there and to be fair the signings that they've made Saar's been up and down but Aitin has been actually a bit underwhelming the last couple of games but generally mm. has been good Pippa has been excellent um, it's uh, there's there's not too many big uh, it's it's hard to look at that team and say well they're not done what what they said they. We're going to do.
1: Yeah, and I I would completely agree with that. But I think I I mentioned it on the Bournemouth thing. When when I I say he's he's doing a you, the sort of you couldn't ask for more from him at the moment. I think there are still areas to be improved on. There are yes. still things I would change. There are still decisions he's made that I wouldn't make, and I don't think he would in hindsight. But it's the thing we I touched on briefly with the Bournemouth thing. The thing you have to understand with Corbyn is that he's only 21 games into his management career here as well. Um, he's learning on the job. I don't think he would pick... put it Well, put it this way. I don't think he'll make six changes in a game and effectively write, a, write it off almost... Uh, before the season's out, these are all learning moments, and he's a manager who takes obviously takes a lot of pride in what he does, um, and he's very passionate about what he does. But there are going to be bumps on the road because there there has to be. Nobody gets everything right first time round, do they? Um, so it could. There will be moments where the wheels are going to come off. I've I've said it before, and they have got beaten by Bournemouth badly. I I suspect there might be another couple of quite bad losses before the end of the season. Um, I don't know if they'll be quite as bad as the Bournemouth game, but I suspect Town will lose at least two more games by three or four. But that's just the nature of what they're trying to do, and how they stick to the plan effectively you know and if plan a it's cliche but if plan a doesn't work then you do plan a better um but i i think going into january it's worth having a little discussion about where town are right now and what they do in this transfer window because we've already had a player through the door haven't we
0: Yeah, Danny Grant was announced shortly after the game 7 o'clock announcement on Saturday um, he's coming in from Bohemians I think it's as we talked about last week important to note that it is a big step up from the League of Ireland it's it's probably going to take him time to get fully up to speed just like it did with Josh Karoma um, and he's not going to come in and score 15 goals yeah. um, straight off the bat, but um it's still positive, I think, to have that other option because even before Josh Karoma's injury, we were sitting here saying they need probably one, preferably two wingers in January, and that was before the injury. Um and and unfortunately Danny Ward has, has missed more games, more starts than he's than he's had this year, um by by a considerable margin. And so I think having that that the, the fact that Grant can play across the front line as well is uh is a bonus. By the way, there's a forfeit for anyone who who accidentally writes or says Carl and Grant. That's going to happen at some point. Um <laughs> but um no, it's uh I think it's it's positive news. Rolando Arenas. I think they're they're still interested. It's uh, it's just a matter of whether um, Newcastle are still happy to to get that deal done. I think at this stage that um, they're not playing him, so you, you would think that they'd be quite happy for him to leave. But it's whether there's um, you know whether they're still happy with the finances. You would hope they would be because they agreed to that deal in October. You would think that two months later things wouldn't have changed too much. But but we'll see how that pans out. But I believe they are still interested in him. Um, but we we talked about this a bit last week, but I think the fact that the fixtures do um slacken off a little bit after the turn of the new year probably probably takes the sting out of some of the other areas that you would look at and say they're a bit light there. I, I think probably they could still do with a centre back, but I think there's also an argument that they could probably stick it through to the end of January um and, and wait to get Richard Stearman back. Um and and, and I think men- you would
1: you would argue if they got a centre back then it's slightly counterproductive. Productive because it's going to block Romari Edmunds Green's progress further. And I think, yeah, it's cliche me praising Romari Edmunds Green, but I don't think there's any town fan out there who doesn't think Romari Edmunds Green is a project that doesn't want working on (laughs) you know if there's a world where you get you go with what you've got you play Edmunds Green a lot to the end of the season then next season he's really ready to play 25 games minimum so I I wouldn't get a centre back but we've been pretty consistent on this Steve we have always thought and have always said Aaron's and maybe one other Mm. now they've got the one other we still think they're they're likely going to Get the Aaron's deal done if Newcastle don't decide to suddenly up and move the goalposts. Goal if they don't get that Aaron's deal done, then I I reckon they'll go and get an Aaron's type player. Yeah, but I th- I think that might still be it. I think barring some sort of major injury crisis in early January, because. There's no value in January, is there, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Almost none. They, they've got Grant because his contract was up, and they've been tracking him for a while. And because of the way the Irish League season runs, now's the time to do it. Aaron's was the deal in the summer that collapsed literally with minutes left in the transfer window, to the point where we even think they've pretty much done all the social media stuff, haven't they? You know, that's that's how close it was at one point. But you try and go and buy a player in January, and you the values are just like Absolutely off the charts, and I think realistically, you, you've you got to look at. I know we talk about the COVID season, and Phil has been fairly universal in his message that now is the time to keep your powder dry, really. And I think I just can't see them getting anyone else in, M- maybe alone, I suppose, somewhere, but I think that's it. I think that's them done,
0: yeah. And, and a lot of people be sort of disheartened with that, but I just think I, I do see that there's merit in that, and I think there's, I, I know that people will be looking at the fact that they're they're five points off the playoffs and and saying well if you invest then you can have a a run at that and i do get that because you know we all want our teams to do well we all want our teams to to be going as high up the table as they possibly can but i think that if 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 this season has taught us anything, it's kind of been that, that players can improve. The players you have at your disposal can improve. I don't think the injury situation is, is gonna be as bad in the second half of the season as it has been in the first half for all the reasons we talked about, just with the fact that there's there's so many fewer midweek games. I think there's as I say, there's six between New Year and the end of the season. Um when there's when it's been every single week since October. Yeah. So I think that makes a, a big difference. Um, But I I can understand why the club would would say, no, we don't want to overcommit. The the one Mm. that I do wonder about, which we talked about, is just whether they look at some of the out-of-contract players for the summer and wonder if they can move their plans forward for maybe one or two of them but I think it would require exits from the club I think you would need players to leave for yeah well that's
1: the caveat we I think we said on the last pod as well Steve I think anybody anybody else is completely reliant on an out so you know if if I don't know somebody comes in with money for a janino Bacuna is a name I've just picked at complete random there Steve. Uh then I think you let that deal happen but you try and get the replacement in. And I I think the way well I don't know this for definite but I I would be absolutely staggered if Town haven't got a list of replacements for every single member of that squad because everybody at Huddersfield Town has a price and if somebody came in with some massive offer in January then Town should have three names to work through as, as suitable replacements. That's certainly how every other club does it. But I, I think this might be a bit of a weird transfer window. I think there's going to be a lot more loans done than transfers. I think a lot of Premier League clubs held on to players because they didn't know how the season was going to pan out and their season gets a little bit easier for sort of the other than the, the top six, really. Um, so I, I suspect you'll see a bit of movement there. But I just think with the COVID and the way the finances are, this is a transfer window to, to sort of practice a bit of caution when you're in town's position, which is realistically, they're they not going to get themselves in too much trouble. They they might have a bit of a sticky patch but I don't think it's going to go down to second to last game of the season for Town to be safe this year. It's, I just don't think that's going to happen.
0: No, I mean, they're, they're sort of more than halfway there with mm. less than half the season gone. So, it really would take a, a massive collapse and I think we've seen that even with a, a very deep and, and sort of wide-ranging injury crisis, that they're, they're capable of staying in that mid-table mix. I think there's there's a lot of teams in this division that they're better than and i don't know i i i can understand the argument that that they can go for it there's an opportunity there but i i don't know let
1: let me put this to you then steve right would being promoted to the Premier League this season actually do Huddersfield Town any good?
0: I wonder if it would just be the same as last time and they're yeah. not ready for it yet. That they need, I think, and uh, this is the thing this is the thing that sort of gives me pause. It's just there's so many players out of contract in the summer who, let's face it, are going to be on pretty big money. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, uh, Alex Pritchard, Christopher Schindler, as much as everyone loves him, he's you know, he's earning a fair wedge. Um, and you know, even Isaac and Benza, for as good as he's been this season, will be on on good money. Adama Diakari. There's quite a few players who are Giannino Bakuna who who have come from the Premier League, and the players that they signed in the Premier League, uh, or who signed new contracts when they're in the Premier League, are inevitably going to be on more money than the players that they've signed when they're a Championship club, whether that's since they've come back down or or that have come through the academy. So. There is an opportunity this summer to do that big rebuild, and I'm not sure that, f- for all those reasons, the wage bill and the fact that you don't get you don't get value in January, generally speaking. I think that there is a lot to be said for for as you say, keeping the pound a dry and going for that big rebuild in the summer instead, and may- and saying, well, we've had a good year this year, we can have a genuine push next season and we'll have a stronger squad that we've assembled hopefully if they get the recruitment right in the summer we'll have a lot more money freed up by the fact that those players have gone hopefully the way it's going they'll be able to have fans back in the in the in attendance the following season as well 21-22 and that will uh that will ease a bit of the well a lot of the the financial pressure it's a massive massive difference at this level and they can have a proper go at it next year. And I think that if you spend a load of money in January or you you put people on contracts in January and you've committed to that spend, you you don't want to be signing players that you weren't going to sign in the summer anyway because then you're just taking money out of your own pocket that you could have had for the summer when you're doing the big rebuild and you're going to get better value out of it. So, you know, it's you don't want to spend 50 quid on, you know, same as as anyone else in their lives, you don't want to spend 50 quid now on something that, that you could get for a 10 in six months time um, unless you you really need it right now and I'm not sure that they do really need it right now
1: and you look at their recruitment getting a Danny Grant and a Rolando Aarons they're not Premier League players now they might be in the future with under the right manager and in the right system and with some coaching etc but if town were to go up this season I don't think it's not a case of being ungrateful but they would lose half the squad They would have to then switch to Premier League recruitment, which is a very different level of recruitment from Championship recruitment, which is what all their work is clearly being built around at the moment. And they would be looking at a season where... I mean... I'm not saying Norwich wrote off last season, but they only really signed two players for the first team. They spent next to nothing, and their whole philosophy seemed to be, if we get this Premier League season out of the way, we can then have another really good season in the Championship. And Town would have to almost look at it like that, and I don't think that would do them any good. I think what Town really, really need is exactly what you've said, which is just to keep going, get to the end of the season with a core of the squad that they want there going forward, who now out, completely understand their role know what playing in a corber first 11 and in a corber squad is all about and then supplementing that with with you know, young, hungry players. the The thing about Danny Grant, I've been told, is that he is incredibly inconsistent. But he's been he's almost been sort of he's almost been stifled by his own willingness to play anywhere across the front three, rather than settling on a single role and really specialising and growing and learning. So when he's on the right, apparently he's been more of a traditional winger. You know, get to the byline, get crosses in. When he's left, he's very, very much much a Carlin Grant inverted winger come inside. He's also played as a striker, Steve, Mm -hmm. through the middle a couple of times. And he's had a game as a number ten. So he's almost been like sort of held back by his own versatility really. So yeah, I, I think this summer is a big enough job ridiculous as it sounds without throwing in a potential promotion which would probably not serve them longer term at all what they want to do is just have we we said before the start of the season and my philosophy on this hasn't changed and I don't think yours has a relatively trouble-free drama-free mid-table finish would be absolutely fine this season and then recruit properly over the summer change the profile of that squad and then adjust your ambitions
0: yeah I, I think I know that to some people it sound quite perverse to say we don't want to get promoted I don't think that's what we're saying I think it's no. just and obviously, you know, if the club find that they're if they go on a great run and find that they're third going into April, they're not going to go. Oh, hang on, we didn't want to get promoted yeah. this year. We'd better. They're be. not going to go and chuck a load of games. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, they would absolutely take the promotion, uh, and and so would we. But. It's it's what we're saying is this isn't it isn't now or never is the thing. No, like no, it's not at all. this isn't their only opportunity that they're going to have at the playoffs. This isn't a chuck everything at it now because this is never going to come around again. That is that's not what they're about, and and that would be sort of the the worst thing they could do at this stage because we've had so many ups and downs over well mostly downs let's be honest. But um, if you go back a bit further, so many ups and downs. They they have needed and we've said it go back. 18 months and you'll hear us on the podcast saying this. Um, they needed to just settle things down, get that stability and then grow back out of that and I mm-hmm. think that, that that's what they're trying to do and I think that, that chucking a load of investment and, and sort of changing the plans in January is, is not going to be helpful towards that. I think they're going to be as we, and that's what we're getting at is that I think that longer term they're going to be in a better position in the summer if they yeah. just stay the course now, see the season through, take the improvements improve the players that they're going to have and that and that includes get you know maybe you do keep Romani Edmonds green in the side even when Richard Stearman is back because he's one of the ones who's out of contract in the summer and so is Christopher Schindler maybe you keep him in ahead of Schindler even um, and and keep him through to the end of the season same with Ryan Schofield you get Josh Caroma get minutes in him yeah get minutes in him
1: because particularly young defenders and young goalkeepers they there's a huge percentage of the game they only learn by playing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that needs to be the aim for the second half of the season. There's others that you could that you could name there. You know, Matty Daly is another one who's... Uh, maybe even Kieran Phillips, you know, because Fraser Campbell, also out of contract, and he's 33 years old. Uh, it'll be 34 come the start of next season. So maybe you give Kieran Phillips a go. And I think that... I don't think it's unambitious to for them to do that in the second half of this season. Uh, and I think when you've got those young players who need the chance... As you say, you, you're blocking the path if you, you sign a player. And I'm sort of aware, as as we're saying this, that I sound like <laughs> I'm I'm being sort of a, a mouthpiece for the club, um, or that I'm just sort of repeating what what Phil Hodgkinson and Lee Bromby have said in that interview a couple of months ago. Um, but I think they've got the right idea, is the thing. Like I I think that that is the right approach. And then they're set up maybe next it's- year if things keep going well. They are set up to be a promotion challenger next year and have a really good season. And, and do things, and have a bunch of players who have 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 come through and had minutes, and are in a better position to challenge next year, rather than mm. having barely played this year, and and they end up in the same position again.
1: I I think I am not a mouthpiece for the club. You know, I've done a preview show, but that's it. um I think it is the right approach, but it's the right approach for right now. Yeah, that approach. Cannot stick for the next four years because it's going to become the lack of ambition is going to become pretty pretty stark and that model of recruitment of of. Buying low, selling high, and developing players. Like, that's what everyone wants to do. (laughs) That's what Premier League clubs want to do, never mind Championship clubs. And everybody is after the same players. One of the reasons Tam were able to get Danny Grant is because a lot of his, um, a lot of the people who were after him were League One clubs. And the League of Ireland is is from speaking to so journalist friend of mine Dennis Hurley he will tell you the League of Ireland is about League One lower League One standards so at best you you've got to develop them and and bring them on so but I the other argument I just want to slightly address on this subject as well is and I know this is one of Mr Cosmala from the other podcast favorite things to say is that it's not a great championship this year I don't think it is a great championship this year but it's got two outstanding sides in norwich and bournemouth who realistically should be first and second and i mean we've been we've been consistent about norwich if they don't go up this year and realistically if they don't win the league this year they've actually not they've performed below their level but then you've also got watford who i suspect if this if the new manager is any good whatsoever are going to be there or thereabouts you've got Brentford who are still really good really really strong side and then yeah I do think there are sort of a then a clutch of like 10 or 12 clubs of which town are in that are all much of a muchness and can can beat each other but every championship season is different and I think this one is different because of the compressed nature of it because of Covid and everything else and I don't think it is as weak as people are making out I I think uh, town could Go absolutely balls out in the transfer market in January and they're still not going to be as good as Watford, Bournemouth or Norwich over their course of a season. And that, that, realistically, the reason I'm using those three clubs is because they're probably going to be the bar at the end of the season that, that means... If two out of those three aren't promoted, then they will consider they've had an extremely poor season. And then, as I said, then I think you've got Brentford and arguably a couple of others who are going to be there or thereabouts. So I just don't think this is the season for town to go, right, well, we've got ourselves into mid table by Christmas, so we must now push on. It's like, no, what you really want to do is just consolidate that position till the end of the season and then adjust over the summer. Yeah,
0: magic. Great stuff. We've got Barnsley. On Boxing Day, a uh, short trip for me, uh, which is, is very nice. Thank you to the EFL for sorting that one out. And then two home games after that, well, three home games after that, including the FA Cup. So that's uh, that's fallen very nicely. Um, but this is, it's too it's big. Well, we'll talk about the Blackburn game next week, I suppose, but and Barnsley game, they've also been in pretty impressive form recently. Um, in fits and starts, they've they've had some some quite eye catching results. Um, could be an entertaining game that one.
1: Yeah, Boxing Day is always a bit mad. It's not an impossible to predict Boxing Day because odd odd things happen. Certain players, certain players take it more seriously than others, shall we say. <laughs> um, I. I it's almost impossible to predict because like you say Barnsley are on a really good run they also play some have you have you seen any of barnsley this year not much just
0: highlights really
1: they they're quite an attractive side to watch as well it's it's going to be a sort of clash of similar styles really so i think Rob Green spoke about it before the the game the other week on the previous show it comes down to the same thing it depends which side is more clinical
0: fantastic right Dave thanks for joining us I hope you have a fantastic Christmas listeners and Dave Um, what have you got planned anything I guess you're uh same as everyone else, it'll be at home, won't it?
1: Ah, I'm just going to take a load of ibuprofen for my back. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> going to uh, see the uh, neighbours in the kitchen. Think, yeah, it, no, we'd, everybody will be at home. But yes, happy Christmas to everyone listening. Thank you for all your feedback over the year. We've had some really, really nice comments yep. um, over the this entire year. So thank you for all of that. It is very much appreciated. It does. It's nice to know somebody somewhere is listening.
0: <laughs> Big time and. Finally, just from us, we've got something coming out as well in the works. We've mentioned the town social and we've mentioned Andy Takes That Chance if you are a listener to those podcasts or either of those podcasts, then uh, you want to keep an eye out for the super show that is coming very soon. That is going to be a fundraiser for the town foundation. I think the idea at the moment is that we're going to release the video of that sometime this week. Uh, if you're very lucky, you might even be able to get it from Monday. Uh, if you keep an eye on social media, we'll have all the links for where you can, where you can go to purchase that. And I think we'll then put the, a free version out on the, on the podcast Stream the the audio version uh, sometime around the term of, turn of the new year. So we uh, we've recorded that already. We had a, a nice discussion, a review of twenty twenty as a whole, followed by a quiz. Uh, I'm not going to reveal which of us won that quiz um but uh yeah it's uh it's a very entertaining evening we had a, a great time recording it we think you'll have a great time listening to it as well so keep your eyes peeled to social media if you're interested in doing your bit for charity and purchasing that uh or if you uh as i say we, we will release it on the the free feed at some point as well and there is a number that you can text to make a donation if you prefer fantastic thanks again dave we will see you all next time have a good christmas everyone see you soon who to we a